0: For the first five years after I was born again, God was working very strongly with me to show me how to do the work of a New Testament prophet and a New Testament apostle. He had shown me that he had called me to both offices of apostle prophet in the church. Apostles basically deal with doctrine, trying to get the church individuals to do the doctrine printed in the Bible. For many of those doctrines have been removed from the churches today. For example, have you ever heard them teach in any church that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery? I've never heard that. Why isn't that taught? It's Jesus it in the Bible, Matthew 5, verse 32. Now, why don't they teach that and warn the men not to marry a divorced woman? It wouldn't be popular. There are many in the church group that's already done that, married a divorced woman, Committed adultery, and they didn't realize it. If you speak that they will realize it, and they will not like it, and they will be mad at you. so preachers, if they do know it, they don't speak it yet it's in the Bible the man who marries a divorced woman will commit adultery matthew five thirty two Well, there are many scriptures which the churches today omit because it would offend people. Therefore, the people are not instructed. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 that even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh with that prostitute. How do you separate the one flesh? How do you separate one flesh? Cut the little finger off? Or just through death? It gives you something to really think about before you commit fornication. And yet, so many have done that, especially with the advent of birth control. So many have done that, that they think they can get by with it because of birth control. Let's look and see what Paul says happens if you do this, if you have sex outside of marriage. First Corinthians 6, start at verse 15. Know ye not, that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid! What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith God shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18 Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. After Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead by God and walked on earth forty days, He was then taken into heaven and seated by the right hand of God. And he intercesses for us today in prayer. And the Holy Spirit then was given to all who believe in Christ and are chosen by God. The Holy Spirit came to live in that person. And what's the advantage of having the Holy Spirit? He teaches you things of God. By the Holy Spirit, you know the will of God because he shows you the will of God in the specific matters pertaining to this present life. The Holy Spirit guides you into all truth, teaches you all things, reminds you, of everything Jesus has said in the Bible and shows you things to come. Those are two different scriptures. Four things the Holy Spirit does in you. John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 16, verse 13. I recommend that you take those two sections of scripture and meditate on them day and night until you really understand the working of the Holy Spirit in you. The first thing I remember God teaching me about the office of prophet is in Ezekiel chapter 3. Prophets are sent, not to the world, but to the church. God, in Ezekiel 3, is instructing Ezekiel, the prophet. Start at verse 4. Ezekiel says, And he, God, said to me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech, to the world, and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, to the people of God. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto you, because they won't hearken to me, says God. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong. Against their foreheads, as an adamant, harder than flint, have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, all of my words, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart, and hear with thine ears. And go, get thee to them of the captivity, unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear. Verse 14 So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness or his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. This is a very serious matter. If you fail to warn them and they go out and are destroyed, their blood is on your hands. But if you warn them and they go out and are destroyed, you're free from their blood because you have warned them. God used this to get me to speak to the church. Verse 20 Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require. At thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. I was speaking to a little church in northern Colorado several years ago, and the pastor told me this story. He said, I know we have at least one prophet in the congregation. He said, I was doing something that was sin. And different people in the congregation knew it. And different people came to me and said, Pastor, this is wrong that you're doing but one man came to me, sat down, pointed a finger at me and said, you're sinning and you're going to be destroyed if you don't stop it. And he said, it just cut through me like a blade. And after that, man said that, I quit what I was doing and repented. Prophets have a power from God to speak And when they speak, you really cannot forget what they said. Because of this section of scripture, I have warned the people when God showed me to warn them. Because their blood would be on my hand if I did not warn them. I said once to God, Is there any example in the New Testament where the blood of the person would be on the hand of the other person if he didn't warn him? I was reminded of Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul speaking to the elders of the church. Start at verse 25. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. If a person is a pastor, or probably even as an individual, if you know the truth of a scripture and you fail to warn an individual, and they go on and die in their sins, their blood is on that pastor and on that individual that did not warn the person. So let's take the scripture, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. If you fail to warn that man who's about to marry a divorced woman and you fail to show him what Jesus says in Matthew five thirty-two, and he marries a divorced woman, his blood is on your hands because you fail to warn him. But if you warn him and show him that scripture, and he chooses to marry her anyway, his blood is not on your hands. This is what God is saying. And this caused me to speak the truth of the Bible to individuals, especially when they were about to commit sins, and to go ahead and suffer the separation from individuals in the church, for they will definitely persecute you, especially when you're speaking about fornication and adultery. Pam Paget spoke very strongly to a church singles group concerning this subject of Adultery. The divorced woman in the singles group was getting ready to marry. Pam went to them and said, If you marry, according to the Bible, as a divorced woman, you will commit adultery, and the man who marries you will commit adultery. She told it to both the man and the woman who were going to marry. She also told The bridesmaid, and the bridesmaid said, I know it's wrong for them to marry, but they'll do it anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and be bridesmaid. There's a scripture which says, Be not partaker of other men's sins, keep yourself pure. So everybody in the story is going to suffer loss. At that same point in time Pam ended up taking a job in another part of town so she stopped going to the singles class but she continued going to church at that same church. She went in one day and was there a little bit early went on in the auditorium for the main service and when the singles class came to the auditorium They did not sit where they usually sit, which would have been by Pam. But they sat in another part of the auditorium. At first, Pam didn't think anything about it. She just thought, oh, they found another place to sit. So the next week, when she went to church, she went and sat down in the other part of the auditorium where they had sat the previous week. They didn't sit there. They sat in another part of the auditorium. The third week, they were sitting there. When Pam came in, she went in and sat down with them. Every one of them got up without a word and moved to another location away from Pam. She was devastated. She realized they were avoiding her she turned to God and said, What did I do? Did I do something wrong? After the service, God sent a woman to talk to Pam. This woman said, God knows what they're doing to you, and he wants you to know it's because you spoke about adultery, and that's the reason they're doing it, and he wants you to know You did what he wanted in speaking. I have attended singles classes many times. At the time, there were some of the things going on that I didn't know about, found out about later. It turned out our own Bible teacher was committing fornication with a woman that he met at the bar that he was going to. He had kind of a double life. He taught Bible, and he also went to bars and picked up women and had sex with them. When I heard about his girlfriend, I went to him and said, I've heard you have a girlfriend. Is that true? And he said, yes. I asked him things. He was extremely evasive. Finally, I simply point blank said, are you having sexual intercourse with this woman? He said, of course. And I said, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't even keep company with you anymore. I can't come to your Bible class anymore. I can't have anything to do with you. First Corinthians 5. He said, that's right. He didn't care. Some things will go on in churches you don't even imagine. Now, 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us what to do if a brother in Christ is committing fornication. I've never heard this spoken at a church. This is an extremely serious teaching that Paul did. Paul says it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication that is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife and ye are puffed up. They're puffed up and they're saying well I wouldn't do that and you are puffed up and have not rather mourn, this shouldn't be happening in the church, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Verse 3, For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul doesn't say pray for this guy. He already knows the truth. He says turn him over to Satan so his flesh will be destroyed that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. I believe that they turn him over to Satan by withdrawing company from him and refusing to keep company with this individual. Let Satan have him. Verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven, of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you, Paul says, in an epistle, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or with extortioners, or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world, But now I have written unto you, not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. Don't eat the word of God with them. You can't be around that person who's a brother who's doing these sins, withdraw from him, refuse to keep company with him. This is what Paul says. Now, when Swaggart was committing fornication with a prostitute, the Assembly of God Church, who had, I guess, ordained Swaggart as a minister, they met together, and they decided to pray for Brother Swaggart. And they sent out a word to all the pastors, you must pray for Brother Swaggart. And they were going to counsel him. Well, he already knew he was sinning. I was visiting in an Assembly of God church in Clovis, New Mexico at the time this happened. It was an extremely public event. Swaggart appeared on his own television show with tears running down his face, and he said, I have sinned, and many of you saw it. Back in the 80s, I think it was. The Assembly of God Church kept him as a preacher, let him continue, prayed for him, counseled him, and later he was caught once again with a prostitute, and when that happened, he said, the Lord says to me, it's none of your business what I do. Who is is the body of Christ. It is everybody's business what the body of Christ does. Paul says, them that are without, God judges. Those that without the church, God will judge. If they aren't a member of the church, God will judge them but you're supposed to deal with those who are members of the body of Christ, members of the church. Well, I told this Bible teacher, I said, I can't even come to your Bible class. He said, that's right. He knew the same scripture. Sin is rampant in the churches today. Antichrist Christ. Throwing scripture away, setting up other doctrines, allowing brothers who are fornicators to be among them, allowing preachers to be extortioners. Read 1 Corinthians 5. It tells you the sins and what to do in the church. I've never seen it done. Antichrist is rampant in today's church because of things like this. Falling away from scripture and refusing to do what people like the Apostle Paul told us to do. Protecting the sinner rather than setting an environment where the sinner becomes ashamed and repents from the sin, and turns from it. Instead, they want to pray for him and counsel him. Paul said, don't eat with him. Don't keep company with him. Put him away from you. That's what I did, much to my grief and sorrow. He continued teaching the Bible class. I was taken out of that church. And furthermore, that church had Robert Tilton as pastor. One night, I got a telephone call from a woman who was acknowledged as a prophet at that church. She was crying. She said Bob had asked her to be on his television program. And before they went on the program, Bob turned to her and said, Now, Ava, just one thing don't mention being a prophet because it's not popular. She just broke down. I told Bob, because he had done this, he killed a prophet. He kept a prophet from functioning in the church, before the church. And Jesus says in Matthew 23, because they killed a prophet, their house would be left unto them desolate. That was in approximately 1982. Ten years later, ABC News did an expose on Robert Tilton, a secret expose where they filmed him in secret, by secret camera. And he was speaking very lewd things about Jews. They traced the offerings that were coming to Tilton. They said he was receiving $80 million a year in offerings. They were being forwarded from Tilton's church in Farmer's Branch, Texas, to his bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They had people assigned to open the prayer request, throw the prayer request in the garbage, and deposit the money in the bank account. You can read about this in Wikipedia. It's really common knowledge. It was a huge public scandal. Church members began to file lawsuits for extortion against Tilton. It's a terrible thing. He and Marty, his wife, divorced. He married another woman. They divorced, and he married a third woman. He left Farmer's Branch, Texas, moved to Florida, tried to start another ministry. They tore the building down at Farmer's Branch, and set up some kind of a youth hockey center. You would never have any idea that a church ever met at that location. It was about an 8,000-seat church by the time Bob finished building it. At first, when we started out, there were only about 200 of us who met in an old warehouse. It was completely annihilated. No sign of a church ever having been at that location. Finally, he gave up his second television ministry, moved to Culver City, California, and bought a hotel. Someone from the press tried to go to the church service at that hotel, which it was still an operating hotel. He found about six people meeting in a conference room at the hotel. He went in and sat down, and when they found out he was a member of the press, they escorted him out and would not let him stay for the meeting. That's the last I ever heard of Bob Tilton. His house was left to him desolate because he killed a prophet, keeping a prophet from speaking as a prophet because he wanted popularity. It's a tragedy. But it happens over and over in the churches that. Pastors are withholding the word of God because they don't want to offend people. And the word of God will offend people. Thank you for letting me share this with you today.